Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast, alumnus Barrett Baber from the class of 2002 shares about songwriting during the pandemic, his experience on The Voice, and Washita memories, including being a Tiger Tunes host and surviving the crash of American Airlines Flight 1420. Barrett also performs one of the most recent songs he's written, No Man's Land. All right, Barrett Baber, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. John Merriman, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you here. How are things in Franklin today? Franklin, Tennessee, it's a beautiful day, man. Uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know there was a global pandemic going on or uh, <laughs> it's just a regular old blue sky day over here in Franklin, man. So it's, it's been good, man. We're, we're doing fine, kind of keeping our heads down, staying away from folks, but, uh, things are good today. Today's been a good day. That's good. Yeah. How has the family been doing in the pandemic? What's it been like, uh, with the kids and the, and the family there in Franklin? Well, man, I mean, I'll tell you, I think, um, you know, everybody's got a similar probably answer to this. It's had, it's, it's had its moments of good and, uh, and it's had its moments bad and, uh, and it's day to day depending on, uh, depending on my kids really <laughs> depending on what kind of day they're having but you know we've we've uh, we've adjusted as needed you know um it's been a it's been a difficult time uh in terms of work you know not being able to work as much and um you know one of my one of the revenue streams that I that I rely heavily on is is playing out live and making money that way out on the road and that's completely vanished you know in the last several months um and I, I anticipate it coming back to some degree and there's been, you know, I've had a few performances here and there, but that's been the really difficult part is figuring out how, um, that what the new normal is in terms of work and, um, and how to, you know, continue to make music and make it monetizable in a situation where you can't go out and perform. And, um, and that's been through the internet, man, and, and zooming and Facebook living and that kind of thing. And, you know, there's, been some some things I've discovered during COVID too, and about being a parent, and certainly about being a songwriter. And um, so it's been an interesting experience. Um, I wouldn't say it's been a hundred percent positive, but um, it is what it is, man. The best part about it is that everybody on Earth is dealing with the same thing. So um, if, if if there is one good thing about it, it's that we're all going through it at the same time and trying to figure out what's how to live in a in a world like this. Yeah, true. I know it's been different for everybody. Um, you know, obviously not get to perform as much, which is, you know, probably one of the most fun parts of your job is being out with people. But for sure, yeah. um, what does songwriting look like in this time? Like, how have you been able to do that? Well, it looks a lot like this. I mean, um, in that I, I basically Zoom, I've been Zoom writing from the moment, you know, Nashville kind of shut down and um, the the labels and publishers, my employer, Sony ATV, followed the lead of the city and shut the office down. And it's been shut down since, you know, early March. And, um, but you know, music still has to get made and people are still going to record songs. And so, um, you know, there's still opportunity for guys like me out there. It's just a matter of changing how I, how I work from day to day. And that's happened right here in, in my basement. You know, I've, I've spent, um, almost every day sitting in this chair right here, looking at somebody else on my computer and trying to make up stuff. And, um, and it slows the process down some in terms of, um, producing a demo and getting stuff ready. You know, there's lots of work that has to happen after the zoom ends. Whereas in the room, it actually kind of happens on the spot. 
But, um, but man, I've really taken to, to writing on zoom and that's been a gift of COVID for me is, is that, um, it's proven to me that I really can do my job from anywhere. Um, as long as I have internet connection and somebody wants to write a song, we can do it. You know, we may not, we may not, we may be hundreds or thousands of miles away from each other, but we can still do it. And that's, um, that's refreshing for me to know that there's always an outlet for me if, if I want it. And, um, and you know, I think the way I've sort of adjusted my pace, I'm, I'm, I'm writing three and four times a week instead of five days a week, no doubt about it. So, and that's been refreshing for me to have a couple of days to, not write and come up with ideas and things like that. So it's been, um, honestly, it's been a good thing. I think career wise, I'm, I'm one of the few, I think there are a lot of writers that are, that have been sitting around the last 90 days or more not writing because they don't like to write on zoom. And, um, I don't mind it. So, uh, I feel like it gives me an advantage, a competitive advantage, if you will. And, and, um, I've taken to it, man. So it's, you know, I'll write with anybody. If they want to get in a room, if they're COVID free, then I'm down. But, uh, <laughs> but if they want to write on zoom, I can do that too. Yeah, I, I bet it's a lot different. There's probably positives too. I mean, I'm I'm finding people are a little bit more available to chat, you know, than they would have been otherwise, and um, been able to have conversations with you know you and our Point of Grace friends and Sarah Harmeyer, you know, busy people. But uh, at least there's a little bit more time to never too busy for OBU, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, I know you've been doing some live events on Facebook. I've watched a couple uh, Sunday service moments. They've been really mm-hmm. really great. Tell us about those and tell us if you plan to offer more of those in the future, but what have yeah. those been like? Well, you know, like I said earlier, I think I realized early on that, um, that maybe uh, quarantine and COVID was an opportunity to discover a way to deliver um, live performance and music to, to consumers um, in a different way. And uh, because out of necessity, honestly, I mean, nobody is performing and, one thing that COVID has proven to me is that people will still consume live music, even if they're not in the room, they'll, um, they'll sit down on their phone and they'll watch it. If they're, if they're into, if they're your fan or if they're just into live music. And so I thought early on, I thought, you know, I need to do something. I need to do something for my band. You know, we've been hit really hard by cancellations. I'm in a fortunate position in that I have a job as a songwriter with Sony that, that, uh, that pays my bills. And, mm-hmm. uh, but the guys in my band don't, you know, they're, they're true blue professional musicians who make their living playing live and not just in my band. They play in tons of bands and play a lot in town and make money that way. And all the bars and all the performance venues are shut down. So those guys are in a position where out of the blue, they go from, you know, having a job to not having one and having a skill set that, you know, is tailored towards live performance and being in a room with a bunch of people that doesn't happen anymore. So I knew right away I needed to do something from, for my friends more than anything for the guys in my band that have been dedicated to my career and helping me, um, perform. And, and, and so I thought one way to do that was to continue to maybe do a weekly show, a weekly one hour live stream, um, and accept donations. And, and, and we did, and we have, and I started just giving that money to my band, helping them pay their bills during, um, during COVID and keeping their boats floating, you know, um, while simultaneously trying to keep mine afloat. And, um, and really, man, I've discovered it's, um, it's gone over so big, you know, on Sundays, Sunday nights at eight o'clock, it really is. Um, it has a church feel. It's not, you know, it's not about church. I call it the evening service more because I'm a preacher's kid and it just seemed right to call something on Sunday night, the evening service. But, um, man, it's been a beautiful thing to, to get to experience that community and to get to connect with 
with people that are out there going through the same thing I am, which is figuring out how they're going to pay their bills and how they're going to operate in a, in a quarantine situation in a, in a COVID world. And, um, and it's, it's always positive. The vibe is positive. And, 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 and I try to keep it that way and don't talk too much about, you know, politics and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's about a place on Sundays where we all get together, enjoy some songs. Uh, People are so interested in the process of writing songs and how I come up with ideas. And so I give them some background on that. And, um, and it started bringing on, you know, a guest here and there. I've, I've, you know, in my five years here in Nashville, I've developed a lot of great relationships with some up and coming artists that are getting record deals and starting to really break. And so I'm starting to bring on some, um, some guests to, to introduce my fans to them. And, but more than anything, man, it's been just an opportunity for people to, to check out for an hour on a Sunday, listen to some songs I wrote and, uh, and hear some songs from other people that they don't know yet, but they will. And, um, and so it's been a beautiful thing, man. It's been something I've, I'm really proud to say that I started and I'm doing now and continuing to do on Sundays. And, um, and we've got some ideas for how to grow it and make it, um, into something more than just a live stream, you know, with some live performance shows and possibly, you know, some tour stops and whatnot. But it's been a really a gift. That's one of another gift of COVID has been the evening service and, and being able to connect with my fans on a real personal level and, and kind of give them some insight into my life as it is in, uh, in a, in a world with COVID, but also to gain insight into their lives and to recognize that, Hey man, we're all in this together and we're all human beings, regardless of what your job is or where you live. You know, life is hard right now for everybody. And it's an opportunity for people to, um, who really don't know what to do in this moment to, to be able to help someone directly by offering, you know, five, 10, 20 bucks or whatever. And knowing that the next day I'm going to send that money to my guitar player so he can pay his electric bill. I mean, that's, that's helping somebody on the ground right there. And, um, I'm real proud of what we've been able to do for the guys in my band and, um, and, and excited about what we're going to do with, uh, with the evening service. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We've been, we'll tune into anybody, you know, we'll see something come across, you know, like we'll be eating dinner we'll have Jason Isbell propped up at the kitchen table, <laughs> yeah, you man. know, and yeah, it's been will. great, you know, thank hey, you. and his stuff was cool. Yeah. Like, did you watch a lot of his stuff? I love, I mean, I'm a big fan of him, but man, what they were doing, what they do one a day, I think for the first 30 days of quarantine or something, they did a live stream and any chance you get to uh, listen to that guy sing some songs he wrote, that's, that's a masterclass right there in song. Yeah. Pretty incredible. And you know, you know, people pitching in and, and, you know, paying to help his band too. Everybody's in the same boat. Just, I mean, dude, it is what it is. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this situation is that it's really um, one, what has restored my faith in humanity as uh, as been the evening service and recognizing, man, there's good people out there that care about people they don't know. And that's uh, man, if there's, something doesn't if that doesn't scream Washita Baptist University then nothing does man I mean just uh, just strangers caring about strangers I mean my the guys in my band none of these people that are donating every week know them but they know there's people out there that need help and they're willing to help and that's man that's a beautiful thing that's been um that's been the best part about COVID for me is recognizing that at the end of the day there's more there's more good people in this world than there are bad and that and that's going to win that's that's what's going to beat COVID is the fact that we all start caring about each other True. That's for sure. Yeah. I know you kind of ended this season of, of the evening service. Uh, what's your plan to kind of start that back up? Are you going to take a little hiatus? We just started, man. No, we took, we, we took a few weeks off just to take a break. Um, and 
we started this past Sunday was uh, season two, episode one, and uh, and this coming Sunday will be episode two. Excited about this Sunday. We got um got a couple guys, a couple co-writers of mine that are starting to get some success. We're going to do a writer's round um, for the evening service, so we'll get to swap some songs and tell some stories. And yeah, so we're going to keep pushing and and doing it, and um and you know not taking it too seriously, not trying to make it into something it's not. It's a it's a service, honestly, that I feel like I can offer to to my fans who I know are out there struggling. It takes their mind off of, uh, of the world we're living in for an hour. And, um, and all I ever get is people saying, thank you for doing this. This is really a nice break from, from the world for a little bit. And so, man, if I can, you know, I will do it as long as people show up. And, uh, that was, that's kind of been my motto this entire, <laughs> this entire journey. I will show up with my guitar if other people will. And, uh, and, and as long as people show up, I'll be there, you know, as, as long as it's safe. So in terms of the evening service, I'm going to keep on doing it until, uh, until there's not a need or until it's, um, it becomes a job. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's one of those things I'm excited to keep on doing it. And as long as people show up, I'll keep on rocking them. Cool. Hey, where can folks find the evening service? Oh, on my Facebook. So it happens every Sunday, 8 PM central time on my Facebook fan page, which is Barrett Baber music. So if you just type in Barrett Baber music, you'll find it, hit the like button and join us for the evening service. Uh, we would love to have you get to see my, my mom and dad are always there. They're nice. always, they're always in attendance. I love that. Yeah. You know, not having live music for people that love live music. It's just killing us a little bit. So Ooh, boy, yeah. let me tell you, that's it. And you know, I never really understood what a fix it gave me and, and how, um, necessary it was for my psyche too you know being now i think i've maybe only performed in public maybe three times in the last four months which is odd normally it's no more 10 15 20 times a month and i'm out and um and so you know i man it's it's one of those things where i i didn't know it when when i had it but now that i don't have it i miss it like crazy even those little three song sets i get to do at some of these writers nights i mean it scratches an itch for me Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I was an artist first um, before yeah. I was a, a, a professional song, a professional artist before I was a professional songwriter. And um, and so that's part of my DNA too, the performance aspect. And uh, I think the evening service scratches that itch a little bit too. I'm not going to lie. It's, that's good. It's, it's for me as well. It's for me. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Um, who are some of the singers and songwriters you've collaborated with that you've really just enjoyed doing that with either on stage or songwriting? Here are some of your, your faves. Yeah, I've had, um, you know, I've had an interesting journey here in, in Nashville. It, one reason that I think they call this a 10 year town, they say it takes you 10 years before you really start having success. And some people say a seven year town, but really it's probably a 10 year town. One of those reasons is because you, it takes some time to get in, get over here, establish yourself as somebody that's worth writing with. And then it takes time to build those connections, get into camps and, um, and make those connections early before those artists really rise up and become stars, you know, to get in early with the camp. And so I've been fortunate in that, um, you know, working with Sony this past year, they put me in, in a lot of rooms with a lot of emerging camps. And so, um, there's a lot of names I could list that no one would know that hopefully they will know soon, but the, um, but in, you know, people that, that folks might know, you know, I'm really close with Ashley McBride, who's had a fantastic run and, uh, you know, it comes back to Arkansas a lot too. You know, the, my connection with her is via Arkansas. Like we know each other because we played all the same rooms, you know, acoustic sets in Arkansas for all those years. 
and collab and have collaborated together and written together. And, and now she's a Grammy nominated, you know, recording artist and, and songwriter. And so I always enjoy a chance to write with her, um, mostly because when we get in a room together, we both look at each other and go, can you believe this? <laughs> can you believe that we both figured out a way to make a living doing, <laughs> doing this after all those gigs at the VFWs in Arkansas? You know, so um, I love writing with her. Matt Stell's another one, you know, is having a great run. A guy from Moralton, Arkansas that I've known for a long time. We played a lot of the same rooms. And so uh, Lance Carpenter, a guy from Russellville, who's a great songwriter, got a couple number ones. There's a great Arkansas contingent here of people that are that are doing music for a living in Arkansas, um, way beyond just me, man. And and a lot of those folks are far more successful. And that Arkansas connection runs deep, man. I mean, if you if you're from Arkansas and so is somebody else, it doesn't take long for you, you know, can come up with two or three people that you both know. And so um, that's valuable, man. And so I've really enjoyed working with guys like Matt and, and guys like Ashley and a lot of these um, young emerging camps that are coming up, you know, some real talented individuals in Nashville. And that's part of the process is getting over here and getting plugged in and trying to get in those rooms. And, um, and I'm getting there, man. It's been, uh, it's been a heck of a journey and finally starting to see some of these dominoes fall. So it's, um, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, this may be a, a cheesy question, but is there somebody you haven't written with or performed with that you think it'd be really cool if I could get a moment in a writer's room with this person or get on stage with this artist? You know, I'm I'm kind of more I, I view <clears throat> successful songwriters almost as stars in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really who I'm trying to emulate, you know, more than anything, more than any artist or being an artist. I mean, getting being famous, okay. That as a byproduct of making music at times when you're an artist, but the songwriters, man, they're the stars of my eyes. So, you know, there are people like, um, and and a lot of people know this guy now because of the TV show Songland. but you know, guys like Shane McAnally, um, I would, I would kill for a chance to write with that guy. Um, mostly because I just respect the, the way he's done it, the model he's built, you know, building his own career and own publishing company from the ground up and creating a business and, and being uh, multifaceted in terms of being able to produce artists and also write hits and also own a publishing company and break artists as a publisher and label. Um, so, I mean, that guy's one Shane that is just has so many monster songs in his catalog that I know I would learn so much from spending three, four or five hours with him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that he's one that man, if I had a chance, I'd have to take it to, to write with Shane McAnally. That's good. Yeah. Uh, that song, that Songland show is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's pretty neat, man. How they're, how they're doing that. And that's cool too. It's um, interesting. Same, same universals running that show, just like they did the voice. So it's kind of fun to watch. Cause I kind of know what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, speaking of, uh, I know a lot of folks may be familiar with you because of your appearance on The Voice and, you know, being a finalist and all of that brought you to a lot of uh, people's kind of their, in their living room. Um, tell us what it was like being on The Voice. Is there things that, you know, would surprise people about the process? What was it like being uh, in that voice process? Well, I mean, <clears throat> it's a whirlwind. It's it's hard to even really describe to somebody that hasn't been through it. It's it have everything moves slow but fast at the same time you know it's um it's it is one of those moments where you go from you go from being nobody to being somebody in somebody that people know at least in uh, in a day you know i mean it's you spend all of this time recording those shows and then the show airs and then boom it's like the next day people care <laughs> about who you are yeah. and the music that you make and so 
man, it's a, it's a wild experience, especially when you're from Arkansas and, um, you know, in 2015, there just wasn't a whole lot going on in Arkansas. You know, the, the Razorbacks weren't all that great. And, uh, you know, there just wasn't a lot happening. And so I, I, it, timing wise for me, it kind of was bigger than I think it might normally be. But, um, you know, I got on the show at the right time and just had a magical run, man, where people really connected with who I was and connected with my story and then connected with my performances. And that, and that, you know, spurred me along. And I know there's no way I go as far as I do if I'm not from Arkansas and I don't have an entire state of people that are just jacked about this opportunity. And that's what I love about Arkansas so much is that people get pumped for other people just because they're Arkansans and, and for no other reason, you know, there's everybody in Arkansas. I don't know everybody. And I know a lot of people, but I don't know everybody. And it's felt like everybody got on board. And so that I'll always appreciate that. And, um, and that was a really bananas experience. I think if there's anything that people don't really recognize about the show or that might surprise them is, is the, um, is the work that it takes to, to go from being on a show like that to being able to support yourself making music there, you know, it's not a free pass. It's not a, it's not a ticket to the promised land. It's not a ticket to a record deal. It's not a ticket to a publishing deal. It is an opportunity to, uh, to leave the show and create your own business and monetize your music. If you're willing to work your tail completely off. And, um, I think what, you know, a lot of folks might not get is that like, there's a lot of, oftentimes people say, I wonder why nobody's really broken big off of the voice. And it's because there's more to it than just being on a show. There's a whole lot more to it. There's lots of work that has to be done. You know, there's tons and tons and tons of effort and development that takes place to break an artist. And, um, and so it's not a free ticket. It, it, it puts you, I've told people, I'll use this analogy a lot, being on the voice. If you want to be a, a full-time musician, that's, that makes you live in, uh, making music, uh, being on the voice will put you in the red zone, but it won't put you in the end zone. Mm. It'll put you in the red zone. The rest of it's up to you. And as, and if you know anything about football, you know that scoring in the red zone is the hardest part. That's the hardest part. That's when the work really starts. That's the hardest work you do in a football game is trying to score in the red zone and the voice puts you in the red zone. And then it's a matter of doing the work, putting your head down, developing your craft, you know, taking time and being diligent about it. So I think, um, you know, that's surprising. I think to mo most folks that, um, when you come, you know, a lot of people, I've even had people comment on Facebooks and stuff that like, you got it made, man, you you got it made, you got all this money, dude. It's like, well, hold up. That's not how it works. <laughs> now there's, you know, listen, it gives you the opportunity to go make money, but the rest of it is up to you, man. So that's, um, that's probably surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you see a lot of really talented people have come through American Idol on The Voice and you don't hear from them again. Yep. But yeah, it's it's complicated, I'm sure. And it's a lot about relationship building too. You got to be able to make friends with people. Well, and that's why for me, it it, it happened to me when I was 35. And, um, and that was a great time for that to happen to me. I think if it would happen to me when I was 25, I'd have found a way to uh, mess that up. <laughs> and so, you know, it happened to me when I was 35 and I was, you know, grown and and really did treat it like a job. I mean, I, I quit my job at Fayetteville High School to go do The Voice. I had to decide to either sign my teaching contract or go do The Voice. So I quit this great job to go do The Voice. And I, and I told myself, I got to treat this like a job. I got to turn this into a teacher salary somehow. Mm -hmm. I got two little babies. And, you know, so it's funny, man. You, you, you get really good at uh, doing things you don't think you can do 
when you have to. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and when you put yourself in a position where you have to have to hit home runs, man, it's surprising how many you'll hit. And, um, and so, you know, it happened for me at a great time where I'd been in the corporate world working in marketing and advertising for years. And then it gone on to be a high school teacher and learned so much from those jobs and took a lot of the things I learned at all those jobs and put them into my business now, which is the business of making music and writing songs for other people to record. Yeah. I bet a lot of uh, marketing stuff comes in handy. I mean, you got to do a lot of that yourself, I'm sure. Big time, big time. And that's why, that's why it's important. I think if, if I could say anything to a student, a young student, you know, who was considering <clears throat> the music business or um, being a songwriter or an artist, but any, any type of music business job, I'd, you know, I'd say every job that you do before you get into the music business prepares you for that because there's so many facets of the music business, the marketing, the promotion, um, the networking, you know, if you're a great networker, you can be in the music business it, in Nashville, especially it comes down to the hang, man. If you're a good guy and a good hang, you're going to end up with a bunch of numbers in your phone that matter. So you can text those songs directly to people and that kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, it's, my advice would be take every job serious that you have, even if it's not the one you really want, because you're going to learn something that you can use later. And I certainly did, man, with those radios, advertising sales and TV advertising sales jobs, cold calling people. I mean, I got told no so many times that uh, <laughs> well, I'd be cold calling plumbers, man. It's like just trying to survive. And when you get, you know, when you've been in the outside sales game for eight years before you get into the music business, it's easy to walk out of a place that says, no, thank you and go to the next door, you know? So it's, those things serve me well. That's good. Um, you know, I don't know everything's kind of led, you know, in your career, one thing after another, just like you talked about, how do you feel like your time at Washtaw prepared you for where you are today or for your path? That wasn't even on our questions, but it just, you know, how do you feel <laughs> like, Washtaw, you know, prepared you for your career? Man, that is a good question. It's, um, it was such a, interesting time in my life, um, for a lot of reasons, but I think from a preparation standpoint, I mean, I think it showed me how important it is, how people, how important people are, um, in any journey that you take. I I'd be lying to you if I told you that I remember a bunch of stuff I learned in class, man. I mean, like, first of all, I didn't go to class a lot. I mean, let's be honest. I wasn't necessarily like a shining star of academia at OBU. I was part of the culture, which is awesome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think more important than, than what I learned in class is what I learned, um, on campus with my friends. And, um, and I, I learned more than anything through, you know, being a Kappa and, and, and being at Washita and, and being somebody that was a little different than everyone else at Washita in terms of my day-to-day -day life and where I grew up and sort of who I was, um, it really showed me that, um, that it's okay to be different and that just because somebody's not like me, doesn't look like me and doesn't talk like me and um, doesn't do the things I do on the weekends, doesn't change the fact that they're a good person and that, you know, that they think I am one too, and that I can, I can have differing opinions with people and still love, love them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and man, that sure is a lesson the world needs today. And, um, and I, I that's one thing I'll always be grateful to Washita for was, was giving me an opportunity to Washita and Kapakai, you know, giving me an opportunity to, to really understand diversity and appreciate diversity. 
mm-hmm. um, as a, as a white guy from Eastern Arkansas, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I needed that, man. I, I really did. And it served me well, um, moving out, you know, going away from Washita. I have some of the fondest memories of OBU and, um, and it really shaped who I am. And I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change where I went or, you know, what I did while I was there. I learned so much about who I am and had some, some really, really, you know, great moments. I had some of the darkest moments in my life too. And, and I think if I wasn't at Washita, um, during that time of my life, I wouldn't be who I am. And I certainly wouldn't be sitting where I am today. Um, and so, yeah, man, I mean, preparing me for the real world. I don't know, you know, if anything, it taught me that, um, there's, it's a big, crazy world out here and, and it's okay to go out into it and, and to be you and to be okay with everybody else being themselves too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think, you know, Sarah Harmeyer being on the podcast this week, I mean, she had really similar thoughts. She's like, that's Mm -hmm. a, a place where you have your, your best, you know, happy moments and you have some, some down moments too. And it's a, it's mm-hmm. a good place to be, to go through both of those. Uh, I know some folks might not be aware that, you know, we were in Washtenaw Singers together and concert choir together. We were both Kappas that was, you know, pivotal to both of our lives. Um, and some may not know that we, you know, survived a plane crash together, which is kind of a big deal, kind of bonds us for life. Sure. Not like yeah. Kappas and everything else bonded us for life, but you know, we were, we survived the American Airlines, crash flight 1420 as coming off of a singer's trip that was amazing in mm-hmm. 99 and we won't go into all the crash details folks can google that and see uh, all that but how would you say surviving that altered your life or your path are there takeaways you know i think about that all the time things that i learned through that experience things i would take away what are some things you'd want to share about how that kind of altered your your life or your path yeah man i mean i think even just what i mentioned i i don't you know, there was 99, basically 99 to 01. And even really through the rest of my time at Washita. and that was my, that happened the summer after my freshman year. So I had one year at Washita without the plane crash hanging on to me. And, um, and it, man, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree. It's, it's, that was a tough couple of years, man. That was, that was, that was a rough patch. And, um, it was before nine 11. So nobody knew what PTSD even was. Mm-mm. And, um, looking back at it now, I'm certain that's what, <laughs> that's what made it so hard, you know, during that time was that we were all dealing with that, you know, and didn't know what we were dealing with and didn't know even what to call it. I don't think anybody knew what to even call what you feel after a tragic event like that. So that was tough. That's a tough couple of years, you know, and I don't, I don't think I would have survived it, man. Honestly, if I wasn't on campus at Washita, I've said that to you and I've said it to, you know, Dr. Fuller and that, that I was right where I needed to be um, during that moment in my life. And I don't, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I don't know that I would have made it if, uh, if I wasn't at OBU. And so, you know, Washita was so integral in that healing process for me. Um, my Kappa brothers, you know, they just wouldn't let me, you know, they just wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't let me go to that place. And, um, you know, and also three times a week, I mean, I got to go spend an hour, you know, making music with some people that, that could the only people in the world that could identify with what I was feeling. Mm. And, um, man, so, you know, I think more than anything, that experience and being at Washita during that time of my life showed me that, um, you know, the value and just having, having relationships with people. And it also showed me how, 
you know, how healing the healing relationship between music and, and, and hurt and, um, and that music can be a balm that really heals your soul if you want it to. And, um, and it can save your life, you know, and I think it did mine in that moment, in those years. And, um, and so man of the positive, you know, it's hard to put a positive picture on a, on a tragedy like that when you got people that lost their lives and people like Dr. Fuller that lost kids. I mean, I can't even imagine that now, you know, I, I certainly didn't at the time when I was 19 understand what that hurt was. And, um, man, so, you know, it's hard to put a positive on it, but in terms of altering my path, you know, it's an incredible story. There's, there's no question. It's, it's impossible to even mention to someone without telling the full story. You know, you can't just in passing mention that you're on a, on a plane crash and not tell them what happened. And so it's an incredible story. So, I mean, it played, it certainly did play a role in my success on the voice. There's no question about that. You know, when the producers came to me and asked me about my life and about the stories that I had to tell, I mean, that's part of the show. It's, it's a TV show. It's gotta be good TV. The stories have to be good. And, um, and in my case, this one was true, you know, and, and so they came to me and asked me how I'd feel about sharing that. And it had been a very long time, you know, up to that point. And, um, and I always was very careful about sharing that story in any way that made it look like I was benefiting from that tragedy because that mattered to me. And, um, I thought about it for a couple of days and I, I actually picked up the phone and called, um, Anna Lloyd and, um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether I really wanted to, that to be a part of my story because I just was, I wanted to protect you and protect Anna and protect people and not bring up a bunch of feelings that people were over. And, um, and I talked to her on the phone for a while about it and told her about my struggle. And she, she said, uh, it, it's a, it's, it's an incredible story and who better to tell it than you. And, um, and so I did, I, I told him, man, I'll, I'll do it. I'll talk about this, but I just want to, you know, like it's got to be framed the right way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't want it to be sensationalized at all. And I'm so glad I did that. I think there is a positive in terms of the plane crash and, and shaping my career. It, it really was a positive for me, honestly, on the voice. And I think because people got to see a guy, a normal guy with kids, with a job that has a dream that has a real good reason to throw his hands up and say, "Wow, this thing, this terrible thing happened to me. And so I can take the rest of my life off and be mad at the world, you know, for the rest of my life and not, you know, be a productive human being. But they got to see somebody who had to make a conscious decision not to go down that road. And, and there was a time in my life. I remember on campus at Washtenaw, even asking myself, I think I'm at a moment where I get to decide, do I want to be mad? at God and life for the rest of my life because of this one awful thing that happened to me, or do I want to go do something special with my life? And, and I was raised by two people that don't give up that, um, that fight for the right thing and do the right thing day in and day out. And so it's not a surprise to me or anybody else that my decision was to go do something special with my life and not allow that to be the thing that defines who I am. And, um, and I know it ain't been that easy for a lot of people and uh, that were on the plane and, and everybody fights through that and struggles through that on their own. And I, I have tough days thinking about that still, you know, it's a, it's a very, very, um, real scar on my heart that will always be there. And, but, um, at the end of the day, 
you know, if it wasn't for OBU, if it wasn't for Dr. Fuller, if it wasn't for guys like you, if it wasn't for, you know, my fellow Washtenaw singers, I, I can say with certainty that I don't know that I'd be here today to be doing the thing I love to do. So, you know, I, I, you know, I treasure the relationships that were born in that fire mm-hmm. um, rather than the moment itself. And, and so if there is any good that came out of it, it shows me that um, music can heal people. And, and I'm just proud that I get to be one of the people that, that gets to make that music. And, and I get messages all the time, man, from people, even still that say, man, I was so inspired by that. I was, you know, I've been going through this, that, and the other, and, you know, it just inspired me to keep on and, um, mission accomplished, man. If that's, if that's, if that's what it did, then mission accomplished. Um, I would, you know, if I could go back in time, I would change it all. And, and, and we would have never had to go through that, but we can't do that. And, um, you know, the Lord does have a way of using things for good years later. For sure. Yeah. I think that, that, you know, conscious choice thing is really important. You know, lost my mom when I was 12 and the school counselor came in and she was like, what are you doing? You're bouncing back. You're coming to school. You're going to band. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I can either choose for this to wreck me or I can choose to move forward and, and to find the good in this that, you know, can move forward. Same thing with the plane crash. It's like, I mean, listen, it's not easy. And you know that, you know, and it takes years, years to get some kind of peace with, with bad stuff like that. But, you know, lucky for you and I, we're, you know, our hearts are rooted in, in a beautiful thing and a great other that can give peace to, to people that can't find it. So I'm, I'm so, so blessed to have, um, to have been able to navigate those waters with, um, with great people around me. And that has everything to do with Washtenaw Baptist university. For sure. Hey, we're going to talk about some, uh, hopefully some positive Washtenaw memories a little bit. We call these fast fade fives. Just oh boy. talk about some Washtenaw memes here. So, uh, first one off the bat here, favorite professor. I know, you know, class wasn't your favorite thing, but who was the favorite professor for you during your I time? mean, yeah, I gotta say Dr. Fuller obviously is like, I think that goes without saying, I feel like everybody's going for second. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, to ODF, man, he's my man. But I mean, I thought about this, um, like I really enjoyed Trey. I never missed Trey Berry's class. Hmm. Um, and the reason is he had a way of, he had a way of making history and narrative, um, and painting pictures with words. I look back on some of these, uh, that I wrote down some of these teachers I really liked and, and every one of them had a, had a, a beautiful way of oratory that was that would paint a picture that made it real and i used a lot of that you know when i started teaching high school i'd never taught high school before I, they threw me i got my job two weeks before school started i never taught before ever and didn't have lesson plans or anything i was walking in on the first day like i'm gonna figure this out i guess <laughs> and um and i think you know thinking back to to the trade bears to the roy buckaloos you know to to dr fuller's the the way they were able to capture the attention of a group full of young people you know that I used a lot of that stuff. And so those are some of my favorites, but Dr. Fuller, hands down, all time winner. No doubt about it. He's the man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he did pull me off a burning plane, so he does get like <laughs> number one status, but yeah, just right on. fantastic. I mean, I, I take so much away from him every day. Like we, we were excellent because we were believers, not in spite of the fact I remember him saying that. So yeah, some good moments with him for sure. Uh, favorite spot on campus. Do you have a favorite place to hang? Oh, I mean, Francis Crawford. Flipping Perrin, Maddox, 
I don't know what's still there, honestly. <laughs> Those are awesome. Well, uh, I'm just kidding. No, you know, if I was going to say my favorite place on campus, it'd, have, it'd be Anthony Hall. Yeah. I mean, and this just comes back to what I said. It's just, you know, it's the people, man. It's the, it's, it's the relationships you create there that benefits you down the road. I mean, I have, you know, social club brothers and friends that are in great positions and working in, in business and, and really doing great things in Arkansas and, and worldwide. And those people are available to me, you know, and, and that's, um, that's valuable. And I, I think, so, you know, it had to be Anthony Hall that where that's where my friendships were really forged was, uh, sitting around playing super Nintendo and wasting time and staying up till three in the morning, you know, and whatever, just being rambunctious 21 year olds. Like that's Anthony Hall has got more memories for me than probably any other place. That first, that first, I, I could walk to the door right now if I needed to that first room on the right, on the first floor, right there. That's the one. That was the one we spent all those, all those nights in man, just hanging out. It's yeah, still today, people, you know, talk about they can't wait to get into an apartment. I'm like, I loved Anthony. We were close to everything. We had those living rooms. We hung out in there, you know. You want to get like, it's crazy, isn't it funny? It's you want to get like off of campus and into your own place as soon as possible. And then as soon as you do, like once you become grown, you're like, oh, Lord, please take me back to Washington. <laughs> Just like I'll walk to the cafeteria for every meal. Yep. It's fantastic. It's waiting. The food is waiting and ready. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I know you, you know, tons of performances in your time at Washtaw. I mean, personally and school, but um, is there a, perfor- a favorite performance during your time here that you think that was one of my favorite moments to make music on this campus or as a part of Washtaw? Man, I mean, you know, I was really fortunate to be involved in, in, in Tiger Tunes as a host um, in the year 2000. And so, Man, and it, it was an all-star group, you know, with some talented, really talented singers and individuals like Collier Moore, Brian Bailey, and Adam Burnett, and then I think like Natalie Putnam and some, you know, yeah. Kara Floyd and Holly Smith and Amanda Adams. I mean, we were really talented in terms of vocally. That was a special group, and we worked insanely hard on that show that year. And, um, you know, I have a memory in my mind of how great it was. That's why I never watched the video, the old <laughs> videos of Tiger Tunes, because like in my mind, it was so much better than it probably was. <laughs> but, but, um, man, I had such a wonderful time that that semester working on that production and working um, as a host, and it really taught me a ton about entertainment and how to engage a crowd and. And, and get them to buy in and man it was such a beautiful thing there was one particular piece we did it was a patriotic piece and for some reason they had us in sailor um costumes which i was against <laughs> but um i was like can we do army or something like why do i have to be in a sailor outfit like <laughs> what is the village people do so like that's <laughs> what it felt like and obviously i'm a massive human being I'm like six five two forty so like me in a sailor's outfit doesn't look cool at all <laughs> And so, uh, everybody else looked great. I look like an idiot, but the music was incredible. We, we did this great, uh, patriotic sort of medley that was all acapella. And I remember just working so hard on that song and then, and then getting a standing ovation and on opening night, you know, and, and just seeing that work come to fruition. That's one of my, one of my favorite memories of Washtaw is, is being involved in Tiger Tunes that year and being a host that year. That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's weird being back on campus and being in charge of tiger tunes. I will not put anyone <laughs> in the sailor suit. Uh, I'll keep that in mind, but yeah. Hey, do me a favor. Just put sailor suits on the no list just forever. <laughs> just no. 
Done on the no list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you remember, was there a favorite song you sang in choir singers, something that stands out? You know, there's, there's times when I'm walking across campus and a mighty fortress comes on the bells and I feel like Dr. Wright is, you know, to write right in front of me. But is there anything that stands out to your favorite (laughs) memory singing? There is, man. I, um, man, we did so many great pieces. Um, you know, I, I got in, I was fortunate. I don't know how, but I got in to Washington singers as a freshman and which was kind of rare at the time. And, um, man, so I got to spend, you know, four years, three times a week making music with some of the most talented individuals I've ever been around. And I, man, I live in Nashville, Tennessee and make music for a living. And I'm telling you right now, that group of singers, uh, you know, from 99 to 02 at, at Washita was so special in the way that we made music. And it all is because of Dr. Fuller and his vision and, and, um, commitment to the craft and commitment to, to greatness. Um, so I, there's tons, man, but there's one in particular that always stood out to me. And I, you probably remember this, this song. We did a, we did a really weird piece called Saul. Oh Yeah. Um, and it's got a, we, it's got a bunch of like whisper parts and like, it's very, there's dissonant. There's this crazy dissonance that happens. It's all acapella. It's acapella, right? I don't remember there being any instrumentation. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was all acapella. So, um, man, it's just, it taught me a ton about dynamics and, and I remember the crowd's reaction to that song because of the dissonance and because of the movement of different parts and creating these overtones that sort of hit the ear in a certain way. I remember a light bulb kind of going off in my head about, wow, man, like you can really get a reaction out of people if you do this the right way, if you make music the right way. And I remember that one in particular. Uh, uh, that is, if somebody really wants to <laughs> Google that song, Google like the choral rendition of Saul or whatever. I don't, I, I'm sure it won't be hard to find on YouTube. It is very bizarre, but I'm kind of a bizarre dude. So obviously I'm into it. Yeah. Sometimes I, I mean, I just listen to other choirs or, you know, I mm-hmm. things like that. There's just those moments of music just ringing that I think, I don't know if I'm ever going to get that again. You know, that you the will, way that, man, we're going to get back. I, you know, one thing I'll say is just, I believe in the human spirit, man. And I believe in, um, I believe that good is going to overcome evil and we're going to, we're going to find ourselves in a better position because of all this one day, um, just like everything that, has ever happened to me in my life that's been bad i've looked back on it turned out probably to be a good thing mm-hmm. and um and somehow some way hopefully that'll be the case with with covid and um i need it to be you know and we all need it to be in nashville because we you know we got to get back out there we got to make the music and the world is a sucky place without music man so you know we got to get out there and spread some of that spread some of that joy and um i can't wait to do it man i can't wait to get back out and and play some songs i've been writing like a maniac i'm I think I'm at 190 songs for the year um, since I signed my deal at Sony. So I've been writing like crazy and excited to get back out and play some new stuff for folks. I love it. One last uh, Washtaw question here. Favorite oh. Tiger Tunes show? Obviously, you love being a host, but is there a show that's your favorite? Yeah, hands down. No doubt about it. This is, easy, this is easy answer right here. It's the Pirate Show. There's no doubt. The Cap of Pirate Show was ice cold. <laughs> it was ice cold. And... I haven't watched it in a long time either because in my head, I'm sure it's better than it actually was, <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, I had a feeling like when we got out, this is my, so this is my pledge year and we just were freshmen. It's a big thing. You know, we want, 
I think the year before we hadn't won, we came a second the previous couple of years and we had a really small pledge class, only 11 of us. And, um, and, and man, there's something about that pirate show. So great. There was a moment where we went off stage and they had this, the little sisters came out and when the, when the guys came back on, we had like flipped our vests and they were sequined on the inside. And that was really a fresh thing. Nobody ever done before in Tiger Tits. <laughs> and it was just so fun. And man, I mean, you know, at that time, I'm not sure what it's like now. It's probably the same, but at, at that time, you know, Kappa was full of nothing but like music majors and guys that are really, really talented, you know, musicians. And, and, uh, and so we were able to just really make some, do some harmonies and just do some stuff that was, that was so fun. And that show just moved in such a special way. I'm, I'm, I'm I'll have always have fond memories of, of getting our name called and winning and running up on stage and just being so excited and heading out to the lower dam to, celebrate man it was a good night I love it. that was 99 fall of 99 yep 99 because yep. you were hosting in 2000 yep yeah you know i was student director of tunes that year and it was post plane crash and everything is super blurry <laughs> i know i was like you, yeah, i don't know what well, and I'm, i wonder sometimes because my memory is so hazy at, at moments when it comes you know i have friends of mine from washington that'll come to me and say man you remember that time you did this thing it was like crazy bizarre thing that i did i'm sure i did yeah, but I don't have any memory of it whatsoever. And so it's like, you know, that's one thing about the plane crash. It kind of, I feel like it's, you know, I woke up that next day on June 2nd and I, I felt like I was a grown up, you know, yeah. I was, I was, I was grown. Like I, I ceased to be a child on that day. And that's really kind of sad, you know, cause I had a couple of years left where I could have been, you know, young and free and living life naive, but it's, man, it is what it is. It's, we, you know, we survived that and, and it's been a journey and a process and, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited that, that it's become a thing that people are inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and not because I've tried to make it that just because it's inspiring to understand that man, dudes like us went through something and we decided not to let it ruin our lives. And that's, mm-hmm. um, if I, I hope, my kids see that example in me and, and we'll react the same way to when uh, trials and tribulations come their way. Cause they always do. And there's no stopping that. This is, it's our reaction to those things that, that matters. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say to your Washaw friends, family out there, any you know, parting words for them? Oh man. <laughs> you know, I think, I think I would just say, thank you. You know, um, you know, there's a time, there's time in my life where I held a little bitterness towards just that time of my life. And I think that has everything to do with PTSD and just what a wacky time in life that was for me. And, and, um, but man, you know, as I've gotten older and, and as I've grown up and become for real, a a grown man, uh, I, I, I see what a valuable time in my life that was and, and how, um, it shaped who I am and it shaped the music I make and, um, and it, and it shaped me and shaped my heart. And, and so I think if I had anything to say, I would just encourage Washita to continue to grow, man, to continue to, to not be afraid to, um, to be on the cutting edge of thinking of education. And, um, and I would say, uh, to the students there that you're in a special place and, you should know that the world is a lot different than, than campus. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, what you get on campus 
um, can assist you in ways that you cannot even imagine once you get out into that world and you recognize how scary the world really is and how much more scary it is than the bubble, you know, but, um, but Washtenaw prepares you for that. Um, and it prepares you in a different way. It doesn't prepare you by putting you through the fire, man. It, it prepares you by putting you through the love and it feel, and it should fill you with love and acceptance. And so you can go out into that world and, and make a change for the better. So I'm excited, man, that I get to do this podcast that uh, I would even be somebody <laughs> that you would want to talk to about OBU, man. But I, it, I will say this, man, I, I treasure, treasure, treasure Washtenaw Baptist University. I have a long history with OBU. My dad worked there as the BSU director when I was, um, you know, eight years old. I ran around campus like a maniac when I was eight and I ran around campus like a maniac when I was 22. And so, um, man, Washtaw has really been a special place for me and always will be. And um, I'm excited to see uh, Washtaw be a place that accepts everybody, that is um, that loves everybody, that wants to do the best for everybody, regardless of who they are, who they pray to. I think there's a I think there's an opportunity for OBU to take a lead and show the rest of um, the evangelical world how church really should be. Hmm. And uh, and I think that's that's a great opportunity for the people on campus, for the students on campus and for the alumni, because yeah. I've been touched by Washtenaw. How I interact with others is affected by what I learned at Washtenaw Baptist University. And so year by year, they're sending students out into the world and I hope they'll continue to send students, great, well-rounded human beings out into the world that number one are going to go out to the world and try to make it better than it is right now. And, uh, and I know there is a staff full of people that are committed to that. And, uh, and that's why I love Washtenaw. That's why I love it more than anything is because at the end of the day, it's always been for me a place where you're welcome, man. Come on. Yeah. Come on. If you want to come to school here, come on. Come on. And, I, and that's why I love OBU and I hope they'll continue to be a shining light in a, in a really crazy time, a place, a place of peace, a place that's known for the love and known for the peace. And, and that's it. Mm-hmm. and acceptance. And that's, uh, I think there's an opportunity for Washtenaw and I hope they'll continue to push and I, and I'm excited to support them as they do. You know, Washtenaw is a special place and it's, uh, Arkadelphia is a special town. I drove through there recently. We were playing a show in, in Louisiana, just passing kind of by campus, man, there's no feeling like taking that Cattle Valley exit and heading on into town, man, just seeing, seeing Tiger stadium and being back on campus. I look forward to getting back down and visiting soon. Definitely soon. Hey, before you go, you may be tired from a long day of uh, songwriting, but any chance you'd want to sing something? Yeah, man. Come on, I thought you'd never ask. Here. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I could have done that 20 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, this is fun for me because I get to, uh, I hardly ever get to play new stuff for people. Let me play a new one, a brand new one. I just wrote this one. Uh, this is three weeks old. I was standing, one of the gifts of COVID for me was that I've taught myself how to fly fish. I've never fished a day in my life. My dad was a golfer, so like he never ta- we never went fishing. He wasn't a hunting fishing type. I got so bored and like cabin fever with my kids that I just bought a fly rod on online and started watching YouTube and taught myself how to fish in the river out behind my house. I was standing out there. This is where a lot of my song ideas come from now. I'm standing out in the river. And I was thinking about my kids and I was thinking about, you know, how beautiful it was and this all this land. We live on this on this house. We don't have a bunch of land, but my neighbor has like a hundred acres and this river runs behind. It's beautiful. And I was like, man, what, 
you know, that's so cool. This dude's got this land. He's going to get to leave it to his kids. And I was, thought to myself, what, what am I going to get to leave to mine? And um, I thought about it for a while because, you know, I'm, listen, when you commit to being a songwriter, you're kind of committing to a life of poverty and, and the, uh, <laughs> at times. And I thought, I don't have much, you know, I don't have much, much money in the bank and I don't own a bunch of property I can leave to them or a house. Or, and then I thought, well, that doesn't matter anyway because none of this is ours, you know. Like it was here before we got here and it'll be here when we leave. And so I came up with this idea. It's called No Man's Land. Been in the family since 58. Seen a lot of sun, little rain. John Deere's and wild Mustang. Long before that interstate, it's got tree stands and barbed wire, sticks to boots and truck tire. He'll put me in it when it comes my time, but it ain't ever been mine. It belongs to the maker of the stars in the sky. Put the water in the river and pushes wind through the pines. I'd be a fool to think I own it. Cause I know better than that I'm just a part of his plan It ain't ever changed hands since the day it all began This is no man's land Deep these roots run down. I'm just a keeper for right now. My granddaddy paid it off years ago. But there's still someone I owe. Cause it belongs to the maker. For the stars in the sky. Who put the water in the river. And pushes wind through the pines. I'd be a fool to think I own it. Cause I know better than that. Just a part of his plan It ain't ever changed hands Since the day it all began Yeah, this is no man's land Yeah, no man's land Sacred ground It's more than dirt It's a little piece of heaven Right down here on earth I'd be a fool to think I own it, cause I know better than that. I'm just a part of his plan, it ain't ever changed hands since the day it all began. Yeah, I'm just a part of his plan, it ain't ever changed hands since the day it all began. This is no man's land. There you go, man. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, dude. That's a that's gonna be a hit right there. Man, fingers crossed. I sent that out to a ton of people today, so did you? You never know, man. That's the thing. If somebody once told me you, when you're a songwriter, you're like planting seeds. You plant one, you cover it up, and you move on to the next one. And then hopefully look back and some of them are starting to grow. So 
You know, you can't, man, they can't get cut if you don't write them. So it's true. I was like transported to Kappa late night. I mean, we were <laughs> in the same room. Yeah, You're that's fun. You know, I was they still do that. Night. I need to come back, man. Come on. They, they do. Yeah. Now. Still do late. <laughs> but yeah. None of those a, kids. Like, Who's this old guy? I had a weird, Who's like, you know, moment like we were right there in, in the tiger den. <laughs> that was the good old day. My songs were, were uh, three times as long and not nearly as good. I love then. it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, thanks for taking some time with us today. I know you're you're busy and writing a lot of music, and I just know that your Washtenaw family is behind you. And and wish bro, you- thank you, man. And I really I love you a lot, man. And I, and I love Washtenaw. So thank you for having me. It's my my absolute pleasure to uh to sit and talk about the good old days for a while. I love it. Hey, where can folks buy your music, merch, things like that? Spotify, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Just type my name in barrettbaber.com if you want a t-shirt stuff like that but um yeah spotify itunes and check me out sunday nights 8 p.m on my facebook page for the evening service i'll be playing a bunch of songs just sitting in my basement so if you want to hear some more new stuff old stuff fun stuff come on i love it hey we'll send everybody your way thanks john i appreciate you bub thanks man see you dude thanks for listening to the tiger for life podcast be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes Been in the family since 58 Seen a lot of sun, little rain John Deere's and wild Mustangs and Long before that interstate It's got tree stands and barbed wire Sticks to boots and truck tires They'll put me in it when it comes my time But it ain't ever been mine It belongs to the maker Of the stars in the sky who put the water in the river And pushes wind through the pines I'd be a fool to think I own it Cause I know better than that I'm just a part of his plan It ain't ever changed hands Since the day it all began This is no man's land